He's Mr. Hadley, Captain of the Guards. I'm Mr. Carlo, the Warden. You are podcast listeners. That's why they sent you to me. Rule number one, no blasphemy. I'll not have Morgan Freeman's name taken in vain in my podcast. The other rules, you'll figure out as you go along. Any questions? When do we listen? You listen when we say you listen. You pause when we say you pause. And you stop when we say you stop. You got that, you mega dick motherfucker? (laughs) On your feet. I believe in two things. Discipline and the Bible. Here you receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ears belong to me. Welcome to the movie loot. Hello, looters. Welcome to another special episode of The Movie Loot. This is our seventh special episode coming out every other month. And in this, the loot is a specific scene I love from a film I love. I take that scene, break it apart, analyze it, and see why it works. If you like the concept of these special episodes, make sure you check out the previous ones on scenes from films like Mulholland Drive, The Godfather 2, When Harry Met Sally, Die Hard, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Seven. So check them out. As I've been saying all along, this month was my birthday month, so I've been treating myself to all kinds of things. I had the honor to have film scholar Nathan Abrams to talk about my favorite director, Stanley Kubrick, in our previous episode, The Kubrick Glute, so feel free to check that out. And to continue with my birthday theme and treats for this month, on this special episode, I'm going to be talking about a scene from my favorite film of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. And the scene I want to talk about is our introduction to Warden Samuel Norton. But as it's customary, let's start with a bit of background. I saw The Shawshank Redemption back in the mid-90s, not in theaters though. Like most people, I discovered it by rental. I don't think I knew much about it, but me and a friend rented it along with a few others, as was usual in our weekends. The funny thing is that we never got around to it, so I took the tape home. Next morning, I decided to watch the film alone at home, and it blew my mind. I loved it, loved everything from the performances, the direction, the music, but most of all the story. I think I've told that story countless times, at least I know I talk a bit about it on my first episode of the year, where I listed it as my favorite debut film. But anyway, the film's themes of hope and redemption really resonated with me. At that moment, I remember I was going through some issues, teenage issues that I don't remember now, probably romantic issues, maybe a bit of depression or loneliness, whatever. Things that now on hindsight might seem petty and small scale, but at those teenage moments you think are going to destroy your life. But that message of hope that in the end things can work out despite any struggle you go through and that when things don't go the way you expect, it's up to you to decide to get busy living or get busy dying. Those two messages really, really resonated with me. Since then, the film has been my number one favorite film of all time, and I've tried to make those themes of hope and get busy living, get busy dying, my philosophy of life whenever I'm faced with any issue, struggle, or bad situation. I've seen the film dozens of times since. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 100, because number one, I watch it often because I love it. I have the VHS and the DVD, so it wasn't uncommon for me to just pop it in at any time. And number two, because as most people know, the film is a staple on cable TV, especially TNT, I think. So when I had cable, I would often stop if it was playing and leave at least parts of it. And every time I see it, I think I fall more in love with it. 
Now be warned, like all my special episodes, this will be an in-depth discussion, so even though the scene I'm going to talk about occurs during the first half, the film will be spoiled. If you haven't seen The Shawshank Redemption, turn this off, see it now, and then come back. As of now, it is streaming free on HBO Max, but like I said, if you have cable TV, chances are you can stumble upon it any time of day. So let's begin. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard all the evidence. I submit that this was not a hot-blooded crime of passion. Consider this. A revolver holds six bullets, not eight. That means that he fired the gun empty and then stopped to reload. By the power vested in me by the state of Maine, I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back. One for each of your victims. So be it. send you here for life that's exactly what they take i believe in two things discipline help me in the bible here you'll receive both andy came to shawshank prison in 1947 why'd you do it i didn't since you asked <laughs> you're gonna fit right in i must admit i didn't think much of andy first time i laid eyes on him he had a quiet way about him walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside that they can't touch. What are you talking about? Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Damn it, new friend, you're putting me behind. Hope can drive a man insane. You better be sick or dead in there, I kid you not. Better get used to that idea. Oh my holy God. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Too busy living. You get busy dying. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. That's damn right. So, to set things up, The Shawshank Redemption is an adaptation of a Stephen King novella called Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption and was the feature film debut for director Frank Darabont. The film was released in September 1994 and even though the film was a box office bump, it found life on video and has become one of the most renowned films ever. The film has a 91% rating at Rotten Tomatoes and is known for being at the top of the IMDb Top 250 for decades now. The Shawshank Redemption follows Andy, played by Tim Robbins, a young banker wrongly imprisoned by the murder of his wife and her lover. After being sent to Shawshank prison, Andy befriends Red, played by Morgan Freeman, a longtime convict, as they both help each other overcome the hardships of this journey. The scene I want to talk about occurs during the first 20 minutes or so, shortly after we see Andy's trial end with his sentence and he's taken to Shawshank. The whole sequence that follows serves as a sort of introduction to the four main characters, Andy, Red, the Warden, and Captain Hadley, as we see Andy arrive at Shawshank. But the specific scene I want to talk about is the introduction of the Warden to the new prisoners. So to analyze that scene, I'm going to talk about three things. Number one, the setup. The first thing I want to talk about is the lead up or setup to the scene I'm going to talk about. 
right before we get to different scenes or sequences that introduce our two main characters, Andy and Red. We see Andy's trial, where we see his mild-mannered, kind of shy, a bit awkward, but we also see the flashbacks to him outside his wife's lover bungalow with the gun and the booze, so we have that in mind as well. And we see Red's parole hearing and then meeting with his friends, where you see he's a smart guy, a likable guy. You see he's a kind of natural-born leader of this crew. He seems to be fair, but takes no bullshit either. Hey, Red. How'd it go? Same old shit. Different day. Yeah. That's how you feel. I'm up for rejection next week. Yeah, I got rejected last week. It happened. Hey, Red, front me your dad. Get the fuck out of my face, for oh. you, man. You went to me for five packs already. Four. Five. There must be a con like me in every prison in America. I'm the guy who can get it for you. Cigarettes, a bag of reefer, if that's your thing, a bottle of brandy to celebrate your kid's high school graduation, damn near anything within reason. But we also get to see what he thinks of Andy as soon as he sees him. So Red, who is our eyes on the film, helps to establish our expectations about Andy and dismiss him as the tall drink of water with a spoon up his ass. But aside of this setup of the two main characters, there's also that masterful aerial shot of the prison as the wagon approaches the gate and we see the prisoners flock to see who just arrived. Or that shot as Andy and the other prisoners are led inside the prison and he looks up at the towering structure as he goes in, as if it's consuming him. All that serves to establish the prison as this huge monster that has all of our characters literally trapped inside. It establishes the main antagonist of the film, which is not the warden or Hadley, but isolation from the outside. Which leads me to my second point, which is the excellent set design and sound. Aside of what I already mentioned about how the prison is presented, in this scene we see the new prisoners led into a dark, empty room. They're all put in line as the camera moves and we see the warden's back. And before I talk about the warden, there's an excellent use of sound in this scene, as we listen to the prisoners' shuffled steps and the chains, and then we see juxtaposed to the warden's calm and collected steps as he approaches them. This is Mr. Hadley, he's captain of the guards. I'm Mr. Norton, the warden. I think that the way the sound is handled in this scene is something that seems so small and simple and yet so important. Like I said, the steps, the chains, the echo, Hadley hitting the prisoner with the baton, every use of sound is perfect in the scene. Which, again, leads me to my third point, which is how perfectly this scene introduces the next two main characters, Captain Byron Hadley and Warden Samuel Norton. From the scene outside in the yard as the prisoners arrive, you can see Hadley's one tough cookie. And this is in great part thanks to Clancy Brown's physique and performance. First, I mean, the man is 6'2", 6'3", he's towering, and a Nazi-like uniform makes him look so sharp and menacing, the cap pretty much over his eyes, the straight jaw, piercing eyes. I couldn't think of anyone else on this role. 
But then we have the warden, who we meet inside in that dark, empty room I mentioned. I love the way we see him step out of the shadows and into the foreground. It's such a great introduction. This Mr. Hadley, he's captain of the guards. I'm Mr. Norton, the warden. You are convicted felons. That's why they've sent you to me. Rule number one, no blasphemy. I'll not have the Lord's name taken in vain in my prison. The other rules, you'll figure out as you go along. Any questions? Bob Gunton does such a great job with his body language, his walk, his look, the wire rimmed glasses, the little cross in the lapel of his coat, which reinforces his fake piety. And that's one of the things they push forward quite a bit, his emphasis in religion, even though he's a despicable human being. No blasphemy, I believe in the Bible, the framed Bible quote on his office, and they really keep at it, as they remind us that he and his wife visit church, that he's involved in charities. So you can probably guess that outside of this prison, this is a man that is probably seen as a respectable, decent man. And considering that Andy is often interpreted as a Christ-like figure, that would put the warden in the role of the Pharisees, perhaps. All a facade to the evil that he truly represents. But one of the things that I like the most is what happens next when he asks if there's any questions. Because despite the invitation, you get from the start that this might be a moment to keep your mouth shut. So when the prisoner goes and asks his question, well... Any questions? When do we eat? You eat when we say you eat! You shit when we say you shit, and you piss when we say you piss. You got that, you maggot dick motherfucker? <laughs> On your feet. <coughs> what I love about this is that Hadley and Norton are so in sync that they don't even have to talk. As soon as the guy talks, Hadley pierces him with his eyes, while Norton barely even nods at Hadley. There's no exchange. Hadley knows what he has to do. But it also reinforces the idea that the warden is not the kind of man to get his hands dirty, but rather that he uses others to do the dirty job for him. And that's obviously something that we will see later as he uses Andy to handle his money laundering. I believe in two things. Discipline and the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank. Unhook him. And all the while you see Andy quiet in the corner, he didn't say a word and cost Red two packs of cigarettes. So those are my thoughts on that excellent scene from the Shawshank Redemption. To sum it all, I think it perfectly establishes the threats that Andy will face in Shawshank, from the ruthlessness and brutality of Hadley and the hypocrisy and manipulation of the warden, to the isolation and loneliness of this dark place where he's supposed to spend the rest of his life. But the film is full of other great moments, so I asked my friends on Twitter to let me know their favorite moment from the film or any thoughts on it, and this is what I got. My friend Ed from the Film Effect podcast said, oh yeah, excited to hear someone else's take on one of my all-time favorites. Which is a great moment to share that Ed and Sean from the Film Effect podcast released an excellent episode on the film just a couple of weeks ago. So here I'm focusing on a specific scene, but if after listening to this you feel like listening to more content on Shawshank, then check them out for the complete Film Effect treatment. My friend Sylvie at Sly underscore Wit said, 
As a self-described opera aficionada, I have to say the opera scene. Like many opera appearances in movies, the opera and song selection reflects numerous plot points. Infidelity leading you to be trapped, plotting to expose someone, letters with instructions, etc. The lyrics even hint at the ending, under the pines, in the little grove, and the rest he'll understand. Which is a great point and something that I didn't fully know, so thanks Sylvie for always contributing. And my friend Tom at Deaf Heaven said, I don't dislike the film, but for whatever reason, it just never grabbed me that much. You know I'll be listening though. So thanks Tom, you're always my number one listener. So that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening to this special episode of The Movie Loot. If you like this breakdown, make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other main podcast platforms for more similar episodes. Follow us, share the link, leave us a review, anything you feel like to help us reach more people. And if you have any thoughts to share, look me up on Twitter at TiffCGT or the podcast account at TMML2021. Also, stay tuned for our next regular episode, which will come out near the end of the month, The Birthday Loot, where I'll share my thoughts on all the great films that you all recommended to me for my birthday month. Finally, keep your ears open for our first episode of September, when we'll have another great guest to discuss another great topic. So now, shh, please stay quiet, and before the warden comes... Mm-hmm.